Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Good morning. It is Friday, January 26th. It is six minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So 25 Republican governors, including Eric Holcomb, have released Ah. a joint statement supporting Texas. The statement comes as the Biden administration continues to attack Texas and refuses to take action or responsibility for the crisis at the southern border. So Holcomb finally signed on to this thing. I pictured being like it the end of the scooby-doo cartoon where they reveal who the uh, the villain was all along and the guy always would go and i would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you kids and that you meddling kids <laughs> meddling kids mm-hmm. and that was Holcomb. Or at the end of you know some movie where the the comedy movie where the villain is captured and taken away and he's kicking and screaming as the police are you know handcuffing him i picture that as how holcomb finally went signing on to this thing because the pressure became so intense because you know holcomb is a world economic forum guy anybody who's going to go and kiss the ring finger of klaus schwab He's all in mm-hmm. on as many cheap laborers in this country as they can possibly get, because that's what Holcomb's adult supervision wants. But the politics of it said that, yeah, hey, you absolutely have got to sign off on this. And uh, he finally did. He finally, and that is the key word. It took him a long time. He has not issued a statement outside of the joint statement that was released by these other 24 Republican governors. And, you know, we loathe to give Tony Katz any credit yeah. on anything. But it does seem to me that uh, Tony he was putting the pressure on him that we haven't heard anything from the governor in Indiana. And after a few hours of that, finally, Eric Holcomb decided, okay, I guess I better add my name to this list. Well, today is going to be a day. You know, we have themes on our shows, right, Casey? Mm -hmm. And today will be, we're going to focus on just how brutally incompetent and what a buffoon these people down the street from us are. I thought that was our theme every well, day. Well, <laughs> look, okay, so coming up at eight at 9.30, we're going to have a woman by the name of Amy Roach on our show, and she is a mother of a severely disabled young boy. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about the real-world ramification of Holcomb and the Republicans for three-plus years lying to people when they did that emergency declaration about the mass Medicaid expansion and that legalized vote buying operation that they opted into where able-bodied people had no business not working, who had no business staying at home, who had no business not having jobs where they couldn't have employer-based insurance, couldn't go to work because Holcomb shut the state down. And to cover for that and convince people they lived in Fantasy Island, he convinced people that they could have free everything, free food, free insurance, free blah, blah, blah. And we said, we said at the time, this is, this is illogical. 
It doesn't make any sense. Somebody's paying for this. This will not last forever, and it's going to bite you in the backside, and it now has come home where they're going to pick, because Holcomb's a big tough guy, he's going to pick on disabled kids and their parent caretakers and take that money away from them to try it, because now he's got to fill that billion-dollar hole that he created because of his legalized vote-buying operation. So coming up at 930, we're going to have Amy Roach on this show, and she's going to tell us, on behalf of hundreds of thousands thousands of parents in this state, how Holcomb and the Republicans have taken a giant middle finger and shoved it right in the face of her and her kid and kids all across this state because these people are liars and Holcomb is a liar and he didn't want to sign that thing any more than I wanted to get up at 3.30 this morning and uh, change a diaper. But you know what? I had to do it the same way he had to sign that thing. Yep. Okay. So this letter, this statement argues that the states have a right to self-defense under the Constitution. Of course, the federal government says that the razor wire has to go. The governor of Texas saying he will not comply. And now the federal government has given Texas a deadline of today to comply. A border showdown is brewing in Eagle Pass, Texas right now. A huge hub for illegal border crossings. There is a standoff that is underway between the federal government, which wants the razor wire that Texas put in place there to protect its own state. They say it has to go. And Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott says he will not. The Biden administration has now given him a deadline of tomorrow to allow Border Patrol access to the area. It's called Shelby Park essentially setting up a confrontation potentially between federal agents and the Texas National Guard. Okay, and or now, what? and now, yeah, and what's next? What, or what? What, 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 you know, what is this going to, you know, what is this going to be? The, like the, the battle with the red, you know, the red coats, you know, are they going to open fire on the, on the Texas National Guard or what? And think about this conversation we're having, Casey, the, the president of the United States is wholly invested up to and including potentially military engagement to open the southern border to mass wide-scale illegal immigration. That's the conversation we're having here. Well, and now the Democrats and the rhinos, they have to have a bad guy in this scenario, right? Somebody's got to be the 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 villain. And you know they have a guy to be the villain, right? I bet you can guess what his name is. Well, of course, it's Donald Trump and the Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. He's acknowledging that the dynamics uh, have changed. And he says that uh, Trump is the one who wants to make the situation at the border one of the key issues of his campaign. And then we've got who's our favorite guy who likes to spend money? Todd Young. Yes. Spe- what, what, what are we? Are we calling him Todd? Are we calling him Spendingberg? Are we calling him Duke of Spendingberg? What are we? I mean, I know there's many. uh there's many different things we could call him. Oh, it's Friday. I'm fe- Cav, are you feeling fun on a Friday? I'm feeling fun on a Friday. Yeah, I kind of like Duke of Spendingburg. Yeah, Duke of Spendingburg it is. Let's go. Okay, so the Duke of Spendingburg, keep in mind, who has not endorsed Donald Trump and wants an immigration deal, says that uh, Trump is the one who's trying to kill this bipartisan deal. I think James Langford's been working uh, very hard to secure the southern border uh, to give the next president, whomever it is, uh, more authority so that we can secure the southern border. So anything that interrupts that negotiation, uh, I think, would be tragic. I hope no one is is trying to uh, take this away for campaign purposes. What a, what a stick. Uh, 
I want to say a word that rhymes with stick, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure the FCC mm-hmm. allows that. So I'm going to just say stick. Keep what it clean. A, what a stick that guy is. What an elitist stick that guy is. Now, Casey, yeah. here's the thing. Mm-hmm. You and me and Kevaruni, we're not accountable for that guy because we didn't vote for him. <laughs> but if you voted for Todd Young, if you were one of these people who twisted yourself into that mental pretzel because you were so worried about a Democrat being in there... Is that what you voted for? Because at every single turn, Todd Young behaves much more like he's on Team Schumer mm-hmm. rather than he's on Team Indiana. What an elitist stick that guy is. Did you hear him say whoever it is when talking about well, the nominee? Look, Todd Young, and, and again, we've said it and we've said it and we've said it, and there are just too many people out there who, no matter what horrible Republican candidates throw at them, will vote for that person. But Todd Young does not like you. Todd Young loathes you. Todd Young is wholly invested in big government. Todd Young is totally beholden to big business. And the fact that they are even, what is there to negotiate, Casey? Shut down the border. There are already laws that require that to happen enforce the law but instead because uh, Todd Young is and like his adult supervision Mitch McConnell made very clear that Ukraine is the most important thing to them they're trying to keep this thing alive because they know if there's a border deal without Ukraine funding because the American people have long moved on from Ukraine that they will not get that money and I'm not going to use words like money funneling or uh, money laundering or I'm not going to use phrases like that but they really, really, Toddy, Spendingberg, Duke of Spendingberg, uh, screwer of the people of Indiana, whatever <laughs> nickname we're going to give him today, he is so invested in making sure Ukraine gets that money. And without the border deal, they're not going to get anything. So Todd Young said that he hopes they're not trying to take this away as campaign purposes. Uh, hey, Pot, this is Kettle, you're black. I mean, if you're talking about the Democrats, that's exactly what they're doing, using it as campaign purposes, because they want all of these illegal immigrants to have voting rights and to have citizenship. And they're depending on them, if they make that happen, to vote Democrat. And that will continue in perpetuity. If you are, I would be very, very curious if you are a person who voted for Todd Young, and maybe you suffered a serious head injury before you entered the polling place. Maybe uh, against your will, you were forced into hypnosis. Whatever the reason might have been that you uh, did this, are you now willing to say, after a solitary year of that guy once again doing the thing that, that Spendingberg has always done, which is stab conservatives and good and decent people in the back, Are you now willing to say, I have made an egregious mistake? And if not, what else do you need to see? This guy is advocating because he is so in love with the idea of Ukraine continuing to get hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars. He is so wed to that that he is advocating for a, air quote, border deal that will do nothing other than to further enhance the amount of people who broke the law to get in this country that are allowed to stay in this country. Is that what you voted for? And if this isn't the end, if the out-of-control spending, if the aligning with the Democrats, if the repeated prioritizing of Ukraine over you, if the refusal to secure the border, if that isn't enough, 
When does the relationship between you and Todd Young end as a voter? I would be fascinated to know that. 317-684-8444. It is 16 minutes after 9. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And coming up, was our our president drunk? <laughs> You know, Casey, I once drank a, a a quarter of a jar of moonshine, mm-hmm. and I sounded a lot like Biden sounded in this clip. It's on the way from 93 WIBC. This may surprise you, but President Biden's popularity rating among Americans is uh, not so great. It is 23 minutes after 9. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Wait, so, wait, 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 wait. What? Wait. It sounded like, and my hearing is not what it once was, it mm-hmm. sounded like you said Americans are not happy with the performance of Joe Biden. That's exactly what I said. You heard me correctly. I don't know about that, Casey. (laughs) There's some new polling that came out that said 39.8% of us uh, are approving of his job performance. I love that's an only thirty nine point eight percent. I love that they went to the point whatever because usually they just round it up mm-hmm. and forty. You know, they would say forty percent. In this case, no. You know exactly how many people um, are walking around who need to seek immediate adult supervision and medical care because thirty. It appears thirty nine point eight percent of us think Joe Biden has got the country moving in the right direction. Okay, so we've had this conversation often. Is he the worst president in history? Yeah. And according to the data, he may not be the worst. He may be the second worst uh, because his third year approval rating is the second worst behind Jimmy Carter, who is sitting at this point in his presidency at 37.4%. So Biden's at 39.8 and then you've got Jimmy Carter, who is at 37.4%. Exact same time within their presidency. Can we play this audio of Biden yesterday? Yeah, where he sounds like he's either drunk or speaking a foreign language. I mean, he sounds like Joe Biden. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, this is this is the second speech in a row now he's mm-hmm. given mm-hmm. where you don't even know what he's saying. It's not like, oh man, he really screwed that up. Remember Bush used to do that all the time where he'd lose his place on the prompter. But I mean, you know, it was like, or he'd forget sayings, but you knew what the saying. I don't even know what he's trying to say. Hammer and Nigel have a famous bit called Gibberish Man. Mm-hmm. And they actually brought it back yesterday for uh, the the one where he was saying he wanted to go to bed with women or they're the benefit of women. The benefit or, of women. I don't know. Don't what mess he, with women unless you want the benefit of maybe women. Maybe that's what he's saying. I'm hoping that we get another gibberish man off mm-hmm. this because you tell me, Casey, I, I'm I, I'm asking you, I'm looking right into your eyes. I'm asking with the utmost sincerity, what in the world is this guy even trying to say? The beer brewed here. <laughs> it is used to make the brew beer. <laughs> it's oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why he's saying <laughs> Ooh, beer. I got that. I heard him say Kev, beer. I want to give Casey another opportunity mm-hmm. because there was a lot there. <laughs> and I want to make sure that she has an opportunity to try to fully mm-hmm. decipher what Biden was trying to say. Beer brewed here. <laughs> it is used to make the brew beer. <laughs> it's oh, Earth Rider. Thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why it's <laughs> It sounds to me like he's thanking a brewery in Wisconsin for the Great Lakes. <laughs> Thank you. Ooh, Great Lakes. The, the, the Great Lakes sprung up around the brewery. Uh-huh. Yes, let's give Kev, what, just one Just one more time. <laughs> Maybe Casey's missed something. Just one more time, if you would. Beer brewed here. It is used to make the brew beer. It's fine. 
Ooh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why. <laughs> Ooh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. What? Uh, what is he saying, okay, Casey? Okay, so Earth Rider Brewery is where he was in okay, Superior, okay. Wisconsin. Thanks for the Great Lakes. Thanks for Ooh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. Uh, clearly, he was sampling, he was taste testing. You know what, Rob? No worries, because the mainstream media has assured us that he is sharper than ever. My uh, my favorite thing, and Hammer and Nigel do this quite a bit when he screws up. They, you know, there's always an official White House transcript of mm-hmm. what exactly was said, mm-hmm. and they will have lovely Allison, their producer, try to read along mm-hmm. as he's saying the thing, read the actual transcript. This is insane, Casey. <laughs> this is the president of the United States, mm-hmm. and he can, not only can he not form sentences, he can't even say words anymore. Like, imagine, okay. Not to in any way demean the job that Donnie Burgess is about to do because he's going to do a great job and he's going to knock the news out and Donnie wins all sorts of awards for being a great newscaster. Uh, His documentary on Bob Ross, one of the greatest radio productions of all time. Can you imagine if Donnie Burgess, who is a newsman, not the president, gave the newscast the way Biden just (laughs) delivered a speech? I'd like to hear that, actually. Donnie would not have a job here anymore. (laughs) And yet, if it's the news guy, we say, you're out of here, buddy. But if you're the president of the United States, no, he's fine. Everything's fine. No worries here. Uh, He started screaming during the remarks at one point, and then he was bragging about creating 169 jobs. Oh, boy. Okay, we've got a guest coming up next. Yes. Amy Roach is her name. And and she is a mother of a severely disabled child, Mm -hmm. and we are going to talk about the real-world impact of this just horrific decision that Holcomb and Uh, his administration have made in regards to trying to cover up for their legalized vote buying that they that they did in mass in 2020 they ran out of money with medicaid because they put too many able-bodied people on the medicaid rolls and now they're having to make really bad choices well they are making really bad choices they don't have to they are making really bad choices and they're taking away money from parents whose job is to care for their severely disabled kids. So she will be here to tell us her story. This whole thing is awful. It's coming up next. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So say goodbye. It's Independence Day. It's Independence Day. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Casey's here. And, you know, Casey, we have talked about this a couple times now uh, over the past week. There is this, I mean, just super egregious thing going on with the state of Indiana and the my cu- shocked face. Oh yeah, right. I mean the cutting off of dollars going to parents who are taking care of their severely disabled kids. Mm-hmm. And we said this sort of thing was coming for a long time because of course during COVID when the legalized vote buying stuff was going on like it was going out of style, they put all of these people who had no business be on government insurance on government insurance. And we said at the time, that money is going to run out eventually, and somebody's going to pay for it. And sadly, it appears, Holcomb administration, state of Indiana, has decided the people who care for, parents who care for severely disabled kids are who's going to pay because they're choking off the money that they give to these kids. And look, we've had so many people reach out about this over the past week, and we've talked about this a little bit, but I said, we got to have somebody come in who actually is experiencing this, who actually knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. And we found somebody brave enough to do that. Her name is Amy Roach. She joins us now. Amy, hello. Hello, Rob. Thanks for having me. Okay, so you're perfect for this because not only are you a parent (laughs) of a uh, disabled child, but you're also a nurse. 
Absolutely. So you can speak to this from multiple perspectives. So kind of very high level because this is a complex thing. We got about, you know, 12 minutes to talk about this. Explain how you guys found out about this and explain how this is impacting parents across Indiana. Okay. So Rob, back in uh, 2017, um, a lot of states adopted this medically complex warriors program. Basically, states were recognizing that there was no nursing staff available, no home care staff available for these kids. And when I talk about these kids that are disabled, many of these kids can't even access public school systems. They are too severe. They're trached. They're vented. They're feeding tubes. You're, you're not talking about a kid who has some sort of developmental delay or doesn't read right. Or I mean, you're talking about ki- people who physically cannot care for themselves. Correct. Correct. These kids are requiring hours upon hours, if not 24-hour care every single day. So the states recognized this and they said, hey, we don't have the nursing staff that these kids really need, the registered nurses. Um, so you as parents, you know these kids the best. You know their signs. You know their symptoms. You know what these kids need in a day, and you know how to adequately provide this care. And the state has said, we want these kids to have family-centered care. We want them to be in their homes because the states have also shut down almost every facility in the state, um, nursing facilities for these kids. There's, and, n- there's no place for them. And, and someone, n- n- now not you specifically, because I know your your ex-husband is very involved as well, and, yeah. and you have family that can help, but... A lot of these parents who don't have the infrastructure maybe like you do, they have to quit working to take care of these kids full time. Yeah, you do. You do. Um, and I think that um, I have told people before, I, I have been at work and my ex-husband has called me and said, hey, like there's something really wrong. Um, and if it weren't for him knowing and knowing our child well enough to know, hey, there's a problem. If I had a random caregiver in my home, my son may not be here today. Yeah. Um, so it's just having that awareness always of, I know my kid, parents know their kids being that continuity of care of keeping these kids out of the hospitals. And I think that is what the state is not understanding is that by having parents in, in the control of their kids' health, they're taking them to appointments. They're, they're monitoring them constantly. I can't count how many trips to the emergency room, doctors, those sorts of things that have been prevented. Because I've been the one caring well, for him. Amy Roach is our guest, and we're talking about this just horrible plan by the state of Indiana to choke choke off money going to parents who are caring for their severely disabled children. So this seemed like a good idea, it, and you spell it out, and you know, part of why you went to nursing school was right. so that you could do this better for your, your son, and now you're helping others. At what point do they come to you and say, this isn't working, or we're not going to do this anymore, and did they give you a reason? So this summer, it was very interesting. The state did a lot of um, studies, a lot of research, um, a lot of data collection on um, the need for this program. And with that, they did a a rate increase. So they actually just over the summer said, you know what, this program is in such need. Here's the funding we have. We're going to increase the rates. So the the money you get. Correct. Yeah. And so for a lot of these people, we, they were $10, $12 an hour. And then so now it's like, oh, we're going to give $14 an hour. The state gave incentives to these home health care companies to hire more nurses, to hire more staff. So wait, wait, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I think it's important that when we talk about parents getting paid, we're not talking about, hey, you're making $100 an hour. It's $14 an hour. And they're paying taxes on it. And you never find I'm, somebody to do it for that amount of money. Right. Yeah. Correct. Oh, there's nobody. There is nobody who would do our jobs for $14 an hour. I wouldn't do it for $14 an hour, but hey, I mean, he's <laughs> it's, my kid it's your son. and I don't have anyone qualified yeah. to do it. So what changed? So January comes along and they suddenly say, oh, we're going to take this waiver 
and we're still going to give it to you. So we're not taking it away. So don't don't get all uptight, everybody. We're still going to give it to you. You just have to find an outside provider to do it. You have to find a friend. You have to find an aunt, a family member, someone else to take care of your child. And then we're happy to pay. Wait, wait. So, so you, like you as a nurse, you're hyper-qualified to do this. Correct. You've gone to specific schooling for this. And they're saying to you, hey, we're still going to give you the money, but you, we don't want you to do it? Makes It makes no sense, Rob. Why? Did, do they give a reason? They are not. Well, their reason is this whole budget situation right. of like we're we don't have the money that we forecasted incorrectly. Oh, Casey, what's the <laughs> least favorite part of our show, Casey? Oh, when we're right. Yeah, so, so, so that's pathet- but that's pathetic. So this is horrible. But so they're, it, but they're also not telling you or telling us. Or the transparency is not there. Of like, here's the funds that we put forth towards this program. But wait, we also moved billions of dollars to the general fund right like so the numbers that they're giving us are not what they're not being transparent with where the money actually is going it did not all go to this program yeah and and this is the thing that i think people need to understand and and i I know in case you want to hop in here i didn't mean to cut you off but this is what people need to understand state government is a mess like this state that works stuff or next level or whatever phrase of the week they're coming up with this place is a disaster and this is the tip of the iceberg amy where they just got caught Mm -hmm. and they can't hide and now they've got to make people like you suffer now amy is this a situation where you can fire yourself as his mom and then rehire yourself as a nurse or have your husband be the main caregiver and then him hire you so right now as as my son is a minor mm-hmm. um, as minors there is no loopholes yet if you are the parent of a minor child you are out of luck in order to use these attendant care hours you have to find someone else outside of your family who is not legally responsible for that child now this looks a little different if these children turn 18 and then you are suddenly a legal guardian appointed by the state. So wait, so just to clarify, because that's a lot of information, and Casey asked a great question here. So when your son turns 18, you because you have custody of your son, Correct. So if, even though your ex-husband's super involved because you're Correct. the primary caregiver, right. you could go to your ex-husband and say, can you take him legally? Correct. And then you could still, he could still live at your house. Correct. And you could still take care of him. Correct. But because legally on a piece of paper, Shane is the guardian. Uh-huh then you could make $40 an hour. Correct. <laughs> it, it, wow. Rob, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, and I don't think the state quite understands the people that they're dealing with. One, that we are going to fight tooth and nail for what our kids need and mm-hmm. deserve. And two, I don't think they're looking at also the impact financially of how this program has worked. Everyone wants to talk about how, how all the bad things and, and what, you know, they're taking it away. But let's also look at how, how it's worked. It has kept so many of these kids out of hospitals mm-hmm. using Medicaid funds. It's kept these kids in their homes. It's provided parents with jobs, 401ks, insurance. These are, these are employees. They are hired through agencies to work for these children. So there's a lot of benefits to this program, too, that I don't think the state is looking at and how that's going to impact going forward when they take this away. Amy Roach is our guest, and she is a mother of a very disabled child, and uh, she is being impacted potentially as many, many people are about to be impacted by this change where they're going to basically cut off payments to parents who have trained themselves, who are capable of caring for these kids in, in their homes. Okay, so when does this start? 
because they're still time. It's like uh, it's like a Christmas Carol, right? Maybe Holcomb will be visited by the ghosts of <laughs> decent governors, past, present, future, and change something here, right? Yes. This hasn't started yet. So. You know, we all thought they, they told us July 1st. And so we're all like, okay, we got a little bit of time and there we can make plans. We can sort of see what we can come up with to still um, provide this care to our kids in a safe manner. However, um, I have already started receiving phone calls oh, no. from mm-hmm. the state and my case managers for my son. I'm saying initially they're going to start cutting hours immediately. They're going to start cutting hours. So every, every family gets a certain amount of hours um, and it depends on the severity of your child's needs. So you don't get paid around the clock. No, no. A lot of this, you're not no. of course, even getting oh, paid no. for. Um, and so what they're doing now is they're saying, okay, well, we're going to start cutting your hours. You might get 20 hours a week now, and we're going to taper this until we get to July. Um, and so it's just a mess. They're, they're telling us we have till July, but ultimately it's it's impacting families immediately. They're, they're already starting to cut funds. And you even said that the state did a study and said that if they removed parents from the situation like yourself, they don't even have enough people to be able to provide the care no. because there's not enough certified caregivers who have the knowledge correct they did the research they did the studies and in 2020 they released a document that said they gave all of this data about how many hours of direct care these children require they did the studies on how many nurses we have in the state how many home health aides we have in the state how many skilled nursing facilities we have that these children could potentially go to if they didn't have the care that they needed and the state recognized the demand Mm -hmm. And they created the program. So they said, essentially, we need the parents. We understand the parents can't uh, do full-time jobs because caring for the disabled child is a full-time job. Correct. So we're going to pay them. Correct. And now they have turned around and said, uh, we can't afford to pay you anymore. (laughs) But if you give legal guardianship of your child to someone else... We'll pay that person who cares for them more. Yeah, as an adult, if you give legal guardianship to someone else, absolutely. But as minors, we don't. I, when, as long as my kid is a minor, I, I'm, I'm out of luck. No one in my family is providing care. It has to be. It could be you. It could be Rob. <laughs> That's the last thing you want. <laughs> I mean, exactly, Robin. Let's talk about the fact that we've seen what this does when people who are not the parents are caring for these mm-hmm. kids who are nonverbal, who cannot do anything yeah. for themselves. They're eating. They're they're being made to eat vomit. Yeah, in, in the school in Brownsburg, right? And, and I it, mean, it's it's scary. Well, and Casey and I had this conversation the other day. Like, obviously, I'm a new parent, and thankfully, thus far, my child has been very blessed to be healthy. And and and, but I think about the involvement of just being a parent for a baby that doesn't thus far show any signs of de- developmental disabilities. And I think about the around the clock stress that that is. I can't imagine what you guys go through, and I've seen your son grow up and yeah. how you guys have cared for him, and it blows my mind, even as competent and as evil as Holcomb and the rest of those goons around him are, that they would do that. Like, it is, even for them, it's like, wow. They did the research on the the parenting aspect, Rob, and it's in this document that they released. It shows the rates of depression, anxiety, sleep deprivation, um, just the mental health um, challenges that families with these highly complex children face. Mm -hmm. The data is astronomical. Okay, so before we let you go, 
um, we got to do something, yeah. right? And we have this little bitty radio show that maybe seven people are listening oh, to. Stop. We don't know. <laughs> but we want to do what we can. So what should people do? Because I think every person, whether they have a child with developmental disabilities or not, because just from a pure one humanity standpoint, obviously, but even if you're a person with no humanity, like many people accuse me of being, the fiscal impact on this, it seems incredibly stupid like with what you just laid out, yeah. that all you would have to do is just change a piece of paper and then you're making $40 an hour instead of 14 If a program's working and people are happy with it and it seems fiscally responsible, people, everybody needs to engage and support you guys on this. How can they do that? You know, I think for a lot of us, um, we're just urging the state to look at their numbers again. They're looking at how much money went out because of this program. But let's also, I urge the state to look at what is going to happen financially when they take this away? What is that impact going to be when all of these families file unemployment because they are employed through these home health agencies? Um, let's look at the impact of our kids' health and what the rates of hospitalizations of these kids, abuse of these kids. Um, I think if they really look hard at the numbers of what the trickle-down effect is going to be, they might change their mind. And I think as parents, we are pushing for let's just hold up Let's take a look at these numbers. Let's take a look at this ripple effect of what is going to happen. And let's come to some sort of, you know, agreement here about maybe what you're giving us is is too much. But do we have to take it away? Okay, so here's what we're going to do, Casey, because, you know, we're very fair people on this show Mm -hmm. and we have no general bias against the politicians. We try to treat all of them with (laughs) dignity and respect. I think we should give out the governor's phone number. And I think we should have everybody call the governor's Mm -hmm. office. And I think they should tell the governor's office were calling on behalf of children that you and the parents that you are about to totally screw over. Does that seem fair? Sounds you know fair me. To me. I yeah. never <laughs> want to be unfair with the governor. Yeah. So when you, you call, you've heard this interview, um, call the governor's office and say, I am calling on behalf of disabled children who can't fend for themselves and their parents and demand that you guys not choke off their money. Would that be fair? Would that be, is that a good description? Yeah. I mean, I think we're all just, we just want a compromise of some sort. Like I feel like there's been no compromise. There's been no conversations. And when they were directly asked in their last meeting, how many families is this going to impact? And what is that impact going to be? No one would answer. Yeah. And they never do. So here's the phone number that they've got on the governor's website. And it really says it's under the uh, ask Eric tab. So I think you're asking Eric not mm-hmm. to screw over Look at uh, the parents and children. Mm-hmm. All right, 317-232-4567. So that number again is 317-232-4567. One more time, because don't they say we got to give the phone number three times three for times. It to, for it to register? Yep. A little marketing trick there. Eric Holcomb's Th- phone number. 317 <laughs> Four, five, six, seven. And Amy, whatever we can do in the meantime, you let us know. You guys, we've had so many parents reach out about this. It's gross what they're doing. And we so appreciate you being the the person who raised their hand and said, sure, I will gladly come in and talk about this. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me, Rob. So thank you very much. We appreciate you. Thanks, Rob. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's Friday. Give yourself a pat on the back. You made it through the week, and congratulations for doing that. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. I know it was a few nights ago, Rob, but do you remember what you were doing on Monday night? (laughs) 
do I remember what I was doing? Okay, on let Monday me ask night? you this question: Do you recall watching the Kamala Harris interview on CNN? <laughs> no, uh, Casey. Things I will never say yes to. Do you recall watching the Kamala Harris interview? <laughs> Fill in the network and the time. <laughs> you weren't alone because nobody else did that either. <laughs> the ratings have come out for this, and you would think that the vice president in the heat of an election year would draw some eyeballs, sure. right? That is not the case. Uh, they were very low, lower than I think they even anticipated. Yeah. Completely abysmal. The interview only averaged 332,000 total viewers, and in the coveted 25 to 54 demographic, only 72,000 people watched that interview on CNN. So there were 332,000 people, is that right? Total, Let's yep. divide that by 330 million people in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means, what is that point? Would that be 0.1% of the population? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and One-tenth of one percent. So you know who? The vice president. <laughs> yes, during an election year. One Joe Biden fall away from being the president. Yes. And she got one-tenth of one percent of the populace. He said, I'm curious what this person has to say. I'm fairly sure that the people who were watching were sitting in airports and they were well, accidentally great. watching a, it. It wasn't even their point. choice, right? You, you know, I don't know what it sounds like when you approach the gates of hell if you haven't lived a righteous life, but I'm going to guess there's a loop of Kamala Harris and Hillary Clinton to greet you. And here's the uh, cherry on top of this cake. They lost out to the History Channel and the Hall Hallmark Channel. <laughs> and an old Western. More people watch an old Western in the Hallmark Channel than the vice president getting interviewed. It's Kendall Casey on 93 WIBC.